and welcome to the Nitty in the City podcast. I'm your host, OG Nitty, and today I bring you a two-part episode. It's evolved around black women's self-care and wellness, and I brought along a panel of guests with me today, Shah Janelle, Tracy Duffy, Jennifer Daniels, Joy Hunt, and Erica Glasgow. They come from all different walks of life, and they all have testimonies and knowledge to share regarding the topic as a whole. So I bring you right into part one of the Black Women's Self-Care and Wellness episode already underway. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I love it. Started from my apartment now. <laughs> wow. Shout out to Gabe, man. I am Mark for making this happen. You know what I mean? Give it up for Gabe. That's great. Thanks, Gabe. All right, it's me, it's me, it's the OG. Who am I? I'm OG Nitty. Where am I? I'm Nitty in your city. And here we are with another episode today. Now this one is, this one means a, re- a whole lot to me. This one I had, it was weighing on my heart one day. I don't even know why I was weighing on my heart. Matter of fact, I do remember why. I was uh, listening to a, a, another podcast. Shout out to Balanced Black Girl Podcast. And... As I'm listening to the show in that podcast, you know, it's centered around, you know, black women and, and their betterment, their self-care, their wellness and everything, you know, around that. And I'm listening and I just one day I just thought to myself, well, damn, do I really know what um, all that is about? Or do I have any idea or, you know, what the deal is? So, of course, I was like, no, I don't think I do. You know, one could think, could feel like they have an idea of what things are, but it's just like how if we out there in the world and you white people feel like they have a, a certain sense of what black people go through or what black people issues are, you hear? Or, or then they'll, re- they'll learn that, no, that's not the case. They might think the, the racism thing stops here or we're in a post-racial something or other or we're just making these things up. And you know, I feel like when you go, when you look at the, for lack of a better term, the hierarchy of, of, uh, of you know, the various cultures or classes or, or segments or demographics, um, what you have is, okay, you have, you have the white people and they focus on these white issues, this and that and the other, they think they know about black issues or brown issues or whoever else's issues, and then they find that they don't really. Same thing, then you find out white men may not know about white women. You find out black people may know about this, but maybe they don't know about what's really going on in the LGBTQ population or what's going on with other minority groups. So then, at the end of the day, you hear about, you know, you always say about the plight of the black man, the struggle of the black man, the struggle of the struggle of that. And granted, not saying you never hear about the plight, the struggle, or, or, or the woes, what have you, of, of black women. I feel like we don't hear about it nearly as much. I won't even say enough, because, you know, definitely not enough. But we don't even, I feel like we don't hear about it nearly as much as we hear when we talk about men. And then, you know, what's a man without a woman, right? So with that said, in the building right now, I have um, five guest panelists with me, five guest co-hosts with me, if you will, and we're going to be speaking on the topic of self-care and wellness. So I'm going to introduce them by name, and then they're just going to tell you a little bit about themselves, and then we're going to work down. So we're going to start with Shah Janelle. We're going to call her Shah throughout the rest of the show, but she's Shah Janelle right now. <laughs> What's going on, Shah? What's up, Nitty? How you doing today? I am good. All right, so now tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um... Like you said, my name is Shah Janelle. I am a, um, a plant-based diet enthusiast. That's what I say because I do believe that a plant-based diet is, you know, the best for people and that is the lifestyle that I live. I am a lupus warrior. Okay. Um, I found out that I had lupus toward the end of 2017. So um, I've been learning a lot about lupus, dealing with the difficulties that come with that. In addition to that, I also make natural skincare products. So that's really important to me, reducing my carbon footprint, um, using natural products in my body, on my body, in my household. Uh, so I do that as well. And then in addition to that, I've, of course, I am a wife, I am a mother, and I am also the executive director of Culture Restoration Project, which provides supplemental education programs for children. Okay, wonderful. And now, to Shah's right, we have Miss Tracy Duffy. Tracy, how you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. That's great to hear. Now, let the world know a little something about yourself. So, I am a uh, 15-year veteran of a local law enforcement agency here in the state of Delaware. And um, I truly understand, um, you know, just the, the, whole, the stress and what comes along with with that profession. Uh, I am a mother, I'm a single mother, and I have been for my whole entire career. So that also brings a a different dynamic um, of a wonderful um, teenage girl. Shout out to my, my, I call her my roommate now because we're we're transitioning out. Um, (laughs) But um, (laughs) she's on her way to college. But 
so I, I understand how important um, wellness and self-care is, um, especially for, for myself, for my daughter, for, my, for those who are in my profession, um, because, um, you know, as everyone knows, um, it is very stressful, but a lot of us die not from, you know, what the media says that we die from, but um, from stress and, and things like that. So, um, so I, I do a lot of different things to, to keep myself healthy. And we definitely have to come back and touch on that, that law enforcement thing, because I'm sitting there like, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, I imagine being in law enforcement is stressful enough, but then when you throw in the black in it, then you throw in the black and the woman in it, we got some things to address here today. All right, now over here to my right, we have Miss Jennifer Daniels. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing well, Nitty, and thank you for having us here. It's really a pleasure, so thank you for that. No doubt. So Appreciate I'll give you a little bit about who I am and mm -hmm. what I do. I am currently a full-time PhD student at the Biden School of Public Policy and Administration at the University of Delaware. My background, though, uh, my graduate degree is in social work. So I started out in this field, and I would say that's my, my evolution through self-awareness and, and self-care was really becoming a social worker because that's anytime you go through any uh, uh, counseling program or social work program they talk about how self-care and self-awareness is really going to help you be able to give great therapy and care to others so that was my starting point um, and now I'm, I'm taking on public policy so I really believe in mental health and holistic health um, all together and I'm hoping that with me having a background in social work doing counseling I've done diversity and inclusion training and trainings and I also did personal training mm -hmm. I think you knew that yes you, right? I did know that yes I did personal training so all of that is really important to me and I hope to kind of bring that element with me into working with macro level practice there we go and to Jennifer's right we have Miss jo Mrs. Joy Hunt how you doing today Joy that we discussed yes. each other for quite a while. 97. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited to be here with all of the panelists and particularly um, with you as you delve into these topics. There you go. All right, and a little something about yourself, your background. Yeah, so for the past 12 years, I have been a sales specialist and patient advocate um, for a couple of different pharmaceutical companies centering around diabetes, obesity, metabolism, and most recently in oncology, looking at cancer. Um, so in addition to that, though, I also have my own um, business venture, which is The Joy of Eating Well, which does take a look at transitioning folks into more healthy and active lives. And then I am also the co-owner of a family-owned shoe store, uh, which is Elite Feet in Middletown, Delaware, which focuses on footwear for the active family. Thank you kindly. And last but certainly not least, we have Mrs. Erica Glasgow. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing very great. Thank you for coming out as well. Uh, now, if we could tell the world a little something about yourself. Sure. Um, I am a licensed mental health therapist. Um, so I literally teach, live, breathe, self-care, um, you know, to literally anybody that, you know, sits on the couch and wants to talk to me from age four up until, you know, 72. Um, and I'm actually glad that you you know, obviously invited me here today because it's funny how I can teach that day in and day out, but then had to self-reflect to realize that I'm talking about this every day, but how do you not take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, you do everything for everybody else, and that also goes, you know, in, in, into my household with doing everything for my daughter or my husband, whatever the case may be. And again, you're the last one on the list. So um, I thank you for having me. And ready to get started. Certainly, and of course, um, just to kind of piggyback off of that, that reminds me of something, I've, a message that I've often heard throughout my life is, you know, to be able to pour into others, you have to first pour into yourself, right? Your cup got to be full so you can pour into others. And as you can tell, I mean, people from all walks of life here, we have uh, nonprofit executives, we have health enthusiasts, fitness enthusiasts, mental health specialists, we have law enforcement, we have uh, 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 pharmaceutical sales, we, every, you know, kind of covering a whole lot and all of them just kind of tie into this whole aspect of self-care and wellness. Now, of course, I like to start off everything with kind of a definition, if you will, of the topic of which you're speaking. Now, of course, one could look up and try to find, like, I guess, an official Oxford or Webster's definition of self-care and wellness, but I feel like that doesn't do it justice because 
this thing is almost as vast as fingerprints in a lot of ways. And especially this can mean something different to, let's say, this culture or that culture, or even this person or that person. Um, this man versus that man, this woman versus that woman. Everybody's thing is different. So I'm going to bring it back in reverse order, starting with Eric, and I'm going to ask you, what's kind of your definition of what do you feel like self-care and, and wellness means? So I can give examples of it that, for me, just kind of put it into a nutshell. I now, I get massages monthly, chiropractor at least three times a month, making sure that I'm in the gym at least four to five times a week, completely changed my diet. Um, even things as far as manicure, pedicure, going to get your hair cut, whether it's colored, whatever the case may be. Those kind of things to me, like I said, in a nutshell, that's just taking care of yourself, having you time. Um, and it makes you feel good about yourself at the mm -hmm. end of the day. So that's kind of like my self-care. Again, it's just me doing the things that make me feel good, make me feel happy. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you know what? Yes, this is me. Okay. Joy? I think Erica raised a lot of good points about what self-care really looks like. And I know we always think about physical aspects and mental and spiritual. But one of the things I've kind of learned in the past couple of years is that it really comes down to priority. And you can come up with what looks good for you on any particular day taking care of yourself, but it's really a matter of setting that priority and making yourself and your sanity a priority. And so that's really how I would define self-care. All right, Jen? I will definitely jump on Joy's bandwagon in terms of prioritizing yourself. Mm -hmm. So whatever your needs are, putting that in the forefront. And similar to Erica, all those things are self-care but so is journaling, so is spending quiet time with yourself, so is taking a walk on your lunch break. Time alone, really, for me, is the biggest piece of self-care. And so whether that's paying to go get my nails done or get my hair done or going to Battery Park and saying, I'm just going to sit out here and write some thoughts out or do some affirmations, that is what self-care is, is to me. Thank you. Tracy? You know, same. I, I think we all have to um, realize that we are number one. In, in not only just our lives, but in everyone's lives. So again, we can't take care of others if we can't take, our, take care of ourselves. So for me, it's all of the above. Everything that everyone else said, and then I throw in, you know, like I, I'll just hop on a plane, or I'll just take a, literally, I will hop on a plane and yes. go somewhere. Um, Y'all <laughs> Right. Yes, we are. Um, I can't even hop on a bus today. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, anything that is, um, that brings me joy, and um, really, it just, for me, it's connecting with nature, and, and that helps to recharge me. Okay. Shot? Yes, um, so for me, self-care is pretty much what all the other women have said, but I do want to add to that, um, that one of the things that I, that I use in my self-care practices is affirmations of myself, mm -hmm. and I do that a lot through culture, and I do that a lot through knowing about my history and my ancestors mm -hmm. and my family, because a lot of times knowing what my ancestors went through and knowing the history of my culture, that gives me strength. Mm -hmm. And so it lets me know that I can make it through whatever adversity that I have coming along. So in addition to you know, going to the hair salon, getting my nails done, getting massages and all of that, because that is the physical that also helps to calm your mental and your spiritual. In addition to that, I really do focus a lot on culture and my ancestry and just understanding where I came from, where I'm going and who I can be. Okay. Now, you brought up actually, I think, a great point for me to kind of piggyback or use as a segue, if you will. Um, you brought up looking at the culture, the history of the culture, what have you. Now, what I will say, and I will, uh, here's a disclaimer. I've known all of them personally for X amount of years. So I guess I'm coming from a place of, you know, knowledge that I have about them. Knowing you, um, I think what kind of an edge, if you will, that I feel like you have over a lot of people, at least that I know personally, and I can say this, I can, actually I can say the same for everybody at this table, is how deep you delve into your history. And I say that to say, you know, when you're coming up in school or if you watch your mainstream media, a lot of time for black people, you would think history just start, for us started as slavery, right? Or American slavery, or the transatlantic slave trade, or what have you. And then when you look at it, okay, you see the trauma, or you deal with the trauma of slavery. 
you see the trauma or you deal with the trauma of uh, Jim Crow's uh, era segregation, the civil rights lynching. I mean, we all know what I'm talking about here. Run through the game. Even today, you know, you look at the TV and maybe it's something to deal with police brutality going on in our community or, or, or the alt-right or as we might know on the KKK, the Klan, what have you, right? And so given that, let's speak about, and speaking from, let's say, for lack of a better term, the average Joe Schmo who may not be have the luxury or the liberty or the drive to delve into as deep as our history, the richness of our history, we still deal with that trauma as a culture when you're seeing that. And I imagine it has to take away from the, um, your self-care and wellness. So how, 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 first of all, my first, it's a two-part question. My first question is, how badly do you think this does impact, and again, we're talking about surrounding uh, women here, this, how badly do you think this impacts or adversely impacts or weighs on black women and their, and their, their psyche, if you will, their mental health, uh, wellness, and what might be the break or the, or the fix to kind of get through that barrier? Because this is just one part of it, so let's just, you know, we're gonna, die, we're gonna segment this today, y'all. So, yeah, given that, how, how do we, how, how would you weigh the impact of the traumas of only really kind of being exposed to what we're generally exposed to in the curriculum today, and then what would be the fix around that? Yeah, I'll open that up to anyone who wants to take that, and then we'll work around. I can, um, I can start with part of an answer because it reminds me of a conversation I had yesterday mm -hmm. on Facebook. A friend of mine on Facebook had put up a post about people who are always happy and everything is always okay. No mm -hmm. matter what, everything is okay. They always have a smile on their face. They always have something nice to say. There's never anything wrong. And the person had put this up because of a conversation that she had had with someone else about trauma that was in her life. And that person she was speaking to told her, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. That was the answer. That was it. And the trauma that she was explaining was severe. And of course, she was talking to a, another black person. It was actually a black male. And um, that's why she put up the post. And I look at it kind of like this. Black people are almost forced or have been forced throughout history to just be okay, even when we're not okay. And um, you know, if we're not okay, we can't show it. We have not had the ability to really show that we're hurt, that we have mental problems, you know, that we, we can't figure out what to do in certain situations. We've always gotta have an answer. We, we couldn't, you know, we didn't have the ability to be emotional. We didn't have the ability to have an issue. We had to just deal. And I think that that's what we've done for so long. So now we have uh, generations of black families that don't address anything dealing with self-care, including mental health or trauma. You can't care for yourself if you're not caring for your mind, if you're not caring for your spirit. But a lot of times we negate certain things because we're used to doing it. And I had actually commented on her post and said something about at this point, this whole ignoring issues is probably part of our DNA. So it's really gonna be something that we can't just talk through. Like we have to spend time talking to our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, our great grandparents, our children, our children's children, so that we can break this cycle because literally we're being born like this. It, it's somewhat of a learned behavior, but at the same time, I do believe that we're being born like this because your culture is who you are. That's, you're born into that. You can't really, you can escape it if you move away and you're amongst different people, but that doesn't usually happen. So really who you are is what you're born into. And I think that, um, you know, the traumas that we experience it really affects us. Even in today's time, our children um, and even us, we have added to that, I guess, um, that issue with our DNA, with the drama that we see on the news. And we've been seeing it for years when we just see black men just being murdered and they talk about it constantly and it just becomes ingrained in us and we don't deal with it. And so that does affect our self-care overall. Okay. Also, real quick, I told you I'm gonna come over to this here, Tracy, because when I keep hearing trauma, and then Shah just brought up a good point. You know, sometimes you just have to be okay, or you know, you have to put up that perception that everything's just gonna be okay. So now, when we talk about law enforcement, whether you're watching, let's say, a law and order type thing, or let's say, first 48, I mean, I know these things sensationalize it, but one thing they always show is like, uh, in the line of duty, what have you, a, a law enforcement person can't show like 
you know, they're fragile or something's going wrong. I remember one time specifically, I was watching First 48, and oh, it was one of those shows, and they, reality type shows, and they took, I guess, a rookie out, you know, on the rounds or what have you, and they were at like a homicide scene, and the rookie kind of, he showed in his face, oh my God, this is crazy, if you will, right? And then the senior officer told him, you can't really show that kind of stuff, and, you know, at least when you're around the victims, families, things of that nature, you gotta hold it together, right? So I imagine now that's an industry where, regardless of what's going on, you gotta hold it together. Even when you watch these shows, the actors will tell you the impact that have, because they study these cases, I guess, through the advisors from law enforcement, and they say it has a deep impact on them, so much so to the point where they start missions or organizations to help out. That, so that SV, an SVU detective may start a thing about helping sexual assault victims, things of that nature, because of the traumas that they felt as an actor. So now when you have somebody who's actually in the industry, in the field of law enforcement, you said 15 years, you, like, like Shasta, you were born having to just kind of be okay. You didn't really get the opportunity to lecture. And then you delved into a profession where I imagine you kind of had to put up that same front, like everything's okay. So I feel like it's compounded. So tell us about that experience for you and then how that impacts you and then what might be a fix. So, um, you know, with, with us, it, it is totally different. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that there are organizations that um, will assist law enforcement with, with those types of incidences, right? So, um, so for us, um, I can tell you, um, I can't tell you the exact day, but, but we remember certain cases that impact us. And, you know, whether it was five years ago, 10 or 15 years ago, we remember those things. And, you know, it, it is linked to um, PTSD. But the same thing happens again within our culture. You know, I'm sick and tired of seeing um, black men and black women and children gunned down or killed by law enforcement. I am, and, and it impacts me twice or three times because I'm a mother, I'm, I'm in the profession, um, and then I see it, mm -hmm. right? And, and um, a lot of times we, we hear it and we discuss it and we train over and over and over again. But, um, so we, we do. Um, I, I think the times have changed where police officers have to show emotion. We have to show that we are uh, human. And if we don't show that we're human, then um, that's when it starts to negatively affect you as an individual. And so I am, and I think I've always been this way, I, I am very sincere. Um, Whatever's on my face, I, I can't hide it. Like, mm -hmm. so I'll never play poker because it is there. This and, is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and and people people know that about me. It is what it is. Um, so so what are the solutions? How how do we fix that? How do I handle that? And again, I am human. So if I see something and it affects me emotionally, then you are going to see it on my face. If if someone else is crying, there will probably be tears in my eyes because that's the type of individual that I am. And if you hold that in, if you bottle it up, then then what happens? Eventually, you're going to explode. Mm -hmm. um, and I know how unhealthy that is. Um, and you know, to, to bring it a little more personal, um, there you know, my daughter has lived this life with me the whole entire time, and she knows when I've had a good day, and she's no she knows when I've had a bad day. And on those days when I've had bad days, I can tell you my child backs away because she can see it all over my face, um, as well as my self-care, which will include a glass of wine or something. Um, <laughs> but, I self-care every weekend. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm so happy. But, but I mean, you know, honestly, you know, so that's, that's what we do. But I think one of the ways that you can, again, compound that or, or fix that is um, you know, you have to you have to reach out to whoever's in your support group, whether that's you know family, friends. Um, we also have peer support groups that we can talk to other people about what we feel um, is a critical incident to us. And again, it can be anything from a shooting or you know finding a child, the death of a child, or you know whatever whatever you consider to be um, a critical incident. Um, I also believe that um, I know that I, I have to do something, whether I meditate, which I don't do as often as I should, but I have to do something, um, running, um, 
again, catching a plane, like I will do that in a heartbeat because I know that that's what helps to, again, recharge me. Um, if it's hugging a tree, if it's walking around barefooted, that's something that, that you just have to do, and, and we all do it, and, and that's what that's what will get us through. Okay. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit before that. Have you really hugged a tree? Like physically hugged a tree? Absolutely. Oh, okay. See, I always thought tree hugger was just like a figurative term. I didn't know people were literally hugging trees. No. Oh, so, okay. So we try it one day. Yes, I'm serious. I'm a caveman. Well, I tried to climb a tree once and it kind of hurt because okay, all the trees are wrong. I'm trying to climb, although you know, I will if I have to. But, but like just to, again, just to connect to mm -hmm. nature um, and, you know, I always like I'm I'm a country bumpkin. I I am from slower lower. I embrace that about myself. I love it. And for probably most of my life, I I don't wear shoes. Like why? You know. So you have to connect. Um, you have to connect with nature. And and I'm not being so. You know, I, um, some of my friends say I'm. You know, the 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 tree hugginess, granola eating, peace loving, peace peace loving police officer they probably ever met, but you have to connect to nature. And so, you know, again, that's one of the ways you connect to nature is, you know, barefoot, um, whether it's, you know, again, I don't do it everywhere, but around the places that mm -hmm. I feel safe at home, you know, my parents' house, at the beach, it's a great place to just be barefoot. Go hug a tree and I promise you, you will feel better. <laughs> and this is not, I don't know the science behind it. I can look mm -hmm. it up, there is. But just, yes, uh, yeah. We weren't hugging no Brooklyn trees. Might have peed on them. We ain't taking them chances, nor that barefoot stuff either, because it might have been peed on. But, but switching gears a little bit, and this is kind of, um, it's going to build off of, you know, both of you talking about, like Sha was talking about speaking to your, you know, your family members, your village, if you will. Um, and this is gonna go over, I'm gonna bring it over to Erica and Jen, and I say this because Erica's in the profession, and Jen, I've spoken to her, you know, she's one, of the, I think she's one of the first people that I've personally known who's advocated for us seeing professionals. Yes. Therapists, things of that nature, which, you know, in our community has been taboo. Like, we're not supposed to see, you know, therapists or psychiatrists or psychiatrists because, yo, you, you can't be seeing no shrink, you ain't crazy, we ain't crazy, right? That's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And Erica, you're in the field. Mm -hmm. And so this is gonna be kind of twofold too because we just spoke about kind of the gotta deal with traumas, you gotta be okay. But not only do you have that, uh, go through traumas and be okay in general, again, you're a mother as well, so you gotta be strong, you know, for the child or what have you. You're in this field, I guess you gotta, I'm a, this is me assuming now, you gotta be strong for when you're seeing your clients or what have you. And then, and then just to all of that, you gotta be okay when they divulge their traumas on you. When they tell you what they're going through, you have to help them through that. You say, four years old or 72, I think was the, the, the range you used. Who wants to see a child going through trauma? Point blank period, whether it's yours or somebody else's. So my question to you is, how do you handle all of that? What's kind of a fix? And then I'm gonna bring it over to Jen to say, in, this, in our culture where, no, you're not supposed to see these people. What made you get out and say, I'm going to see these people? And how did you think that was going to be a fix? Were you nervous about that? All the things. So let's start with Erica. We're going to bring it on over to Jen. Yeah. Um, sometimes it sounds heartless when you say, you know what, I detach myself from people's stories. But you really have to do. Just, just to have some type of self-preservation. Yes, yeah, seeing a, you know, a child at, at four-year-old who has been you know, molested by a family member or whatever the case may be, and the parents are sitting there telling you that the child's acting out. Clearly, we know why they're acting out. You can't take these stories home with you. You know, obviously, if you do, your behavior, your attitude, and things start to change, which that has happened to me. And my daughter has actually checked me before, um, you know, asking me a question, and I'm real snippy. Or, you know, Mom, you seem like you're sleeping a lot, or you don't want to go anywhere. And not even recognizing the job was wearing on me, you know, from these stories. So, again, when I was saying earlier that, you know, I was the last one on the list for self-care because you're dealing with everybody else's problems and not even recognizing that it's kind of tearing me down. Whether you're, you know, yes, I'm trained, you know, to do this, at the end of the day, I'm still human. Um, and, and some of the stories are so tragic that you're not realizing, wow, I'm having nightmares over this or, or you know, however it plays out um, to you. But 
you had also made a point of saying, you know, our culture, oh, you know, you as black people shouldn't, you know, seek out, you know, a therapist. And I actually grew up that way, being a pastor's kid. Um, my grandfather was a pastor, now my dad's mm. a pastor of the church. And it was always, you know what, pray about it. Almost that, you know, you're mm -hmm. okay, you don't need to sit on someone's couch or talk to them. God's got this. However, also within the church, as I started growing up, I started, you know, hearing people's stories of them being molested in the church by a pastor, mm, seeing mm, the, the mm. cheating and stuff that was going on by elders who were preaching to us on Sunday morning. So again, you have all of this trauma, all of this kind of stuff going on, but no, you're not supposed to talk to anybody about it, or I'm supposed to go to the elder who I know is fooling around with other women in the church, and that's supposed to be my outlet. We're not supposed to go talk to anybody about it. That was one of the reasons why I did take the stance of, you know what, I got to kind of break away from how the older generation see we should seek help by getting on my knees and praying. Absolutely do I do that. But I recognize that I needed more, which is one of the reasons why I did become, you know, a therapist helping within the black community, but also the church community as well. Um, and I'm sure that anybody, you know, in this room could definitely agree with the fact of there's not enough black therapists. And for where, where I do work, there's such a connection when I get an adolescent black teenager who has had a million therapists in the past, but they were all white, couldn't identify with them, the language was different. You know, just, just even if they're talking about, oh, I watch Love and Hip Hop on Monday, Miss Erica. The fact that I can identify and maybe talk about that with them, something so small, and then they can go into the trauma. It's being able to connect. We don't have that enough. Um, and I probably didn't answer your question because I just brought up about three different things. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why the top of the show is like, y'all going to be able to tell me what it is that yeah. we should be question asking. Yeah. But it, it kind of goes back to the fact that it's just, it's huge for anybody. You know, it's not even just, you know, our culture. Therapy, you know, it, it's real. And it, it's not just in the four walls when you go see a therapist. Therapy is your life. You know, you're coming in and you're, okay, I've been through this, I've been through that, we're teaching coping skills, we're teaching you different things that you need to do, but once you leave out of that office, you're taking whatever it is that we just discussed and applying it to your everyday life. That's why it's so important. Jen? So I definitely have to add to what Erica was saying, because you know, right now we're, we're definitely in a season where everyone's talking about counseling therapy, therapy, go to therapy, which I do agree with in that but the next step in that is engaging in the process mm -hmm. you can't just show up well because I, I i've seen it people that just they say i'm going to a therapist and but they're not doing the work right yeah. so therapy requires also showing up for that hour but engaging in the work that it takes to get over whatever baggage you have and that's going to look different for everyone i definitely am pro therapy counseling engaging in the process of that and also know that when you're not doing the work it shows, right? Because if you're doing the same stuff you've been doing for decades, we know therapy is not working for you. You're just, you're just paying somebody your money. But I say this about, about going to therapy and, and, and making that choice. You have one of two ways that you can deal with your trauma. And the first way is in a dysfunctional way, which is the way that most of us are accustomed to dealing with trauma and issues uh, being dysfunctional, whether it's uh, promiscuity, drug abuse, uh, self-medication, your attitude, how you engage with people, uh, your defensiveness, whatever, those, those traumas, that baggage comes out in some way. I say though, instead of letting it, letting it come out in a dysfunctional way, do it in a therapeutic way where you can start to resolve some of those issues. Mm -hmm. So it's one way or another, and I choose, uh, I, th there's that quote, uh, what, what would you rather, the pain, the pain of staying the same or the pain of growth, right? Choose the pain of growth. And so for me, I became a huge, I think what opened my mind to therapy first because I grew up in a religious home and when I first told my mom that I was going to counseling, she was like, for what? Like, <laughs> why? Like, I don't understand. Why would, there's nothing wrong with you. And so that was her mindset. But I had really hit a, a rock bottom place where a, a couple of years ago, and I definitely was in a depressive state, crying every day, and I really just, I, I, I had no other place to go, but because of me becoming a social worker, I was more exposed to that realm, which pushed me into it. 
And the, so once I got into counseling and, and started actively engaging in the process, just how I was able to shed some of the dead weight and evolve as a person um, was tremendous. And so I'm, I am so pro-therapy. Uh, and, 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 and to kind of demystify it, people think that you have to have some, you know, you were molested or not to trivialize that because those are huge issues. But there is a range of things that people deal with. Mm -hmm. So don't think that your problem, oh, well, it's not at the magnitude of what somebody else is, is dealing with, means you shouldn't go. Your issue is your issue, so it's a subjective experience. And if you feel any type of discontent in your life, turmoil in your life, uh, uh, needing directions, direction, that is a sign that you need to go to therapy. Now, I, I also agree with Erica in the sense that cultural competency in therapy is, is very important because as a black woman, you need someone who can understand the black story mm -hmm. and, and the different dynamics of that. And whatever is, is, is uh, specific to you as an individual. So for me, I needed to go to a therapist who could also give me uh, the spirituality in it. So it's li it literally was tying my spirituality and my belief in God into the actual practice of therapy. So it, both of those intertwined together is what I needed. And that helped me in my healing process. So I, I, I'm a huge... Uh, a, a proponent of that. Everyone needs a ther therapist at some point in their life, and once you do get in that chair, actually doing the work, which is the hardest part, because I'll tell you this, and, I, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, it's easier to be dysfunctional than it is, okay, yeah. to grow. It is easier, and there were times that, you know, when I was going through my therapy process, right, and I can remember one specific time, and I had, I was going weekly, and I skipped my appointment, one of my girlfriends who also does uh, therapy, and she says to me, you know, you didn't go to your, the, the, your counseling session today. I said, no, I didn't. She said, why? You didn't want to look at yourself. And I was like, well, damn, <laughs> she's right, right? Because, you know, it's a very uncomfortable process. And if you're engaging um, as you should within that process of counseling, it can show some really ugly things and, and things that we push away that someone is now bringing up to the surface in the forefront and that is really hard. But I will tell you that if you put the work in um, with it, it, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it every single time and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. Okay, now um, we'll bring it on to Joy real quick. I got a, a piggyback question but I also want to let y'all know uh, for the audience members out here, yes, we have audience members. First time <laughs> in the city history, yes. we have audience members. We also have a mic up there in case you want to engage or ask any questions or give your you know thoughts, comments, or concerns to anyone on this panel. So if it's so move with you, feel free to step on up to the mic, and then you know we'll go ahead and address you as well. Now, Joy, while um, these thoughts are being presented. And, you know, um, Erica brought up, you know, being raised in the church and how the church folk act. We talk about things like therapy. Jen co-signed the same thing. I saw your head do the, the wicked up and down. I was like, yes, that's exactly how it happens. Right? Um, and, you know, I guess one, that means you came up in the church household too. And I you, did. You've experienced that too. Now, a thing here, you and Jen have a very close relationship, a very tight-knit relationship. So I imagine... If, if I've heard Jen, you know, be an advocate for, for therapy, if you will, I imagine you heard that first or, you know, you discussed that first, I should say. Right. And so now I'm asking you this. As you sit here again, uh, y'all share a lot of the same um, issues, for lack of a better term, that we've been discussing here already. Being black and having to deal with that trauma, being a black woman having to deal with that trauma, black professional having to deal with that trauma, black parent having to deal with whatever trauma is associated with that. And again, always having to kind of be all right. Mm -hmm. Be all right. Now, one, where do you stand on the whole seeking out uh, professional counseling or therapy, if you will? And two, is it truly possible, um, or at least, yeah, if I'm going to ask you, is it truly possible to balance if, you know, if you, let's say a Christian or whatever, you know, faith that you, you engage in, is it possible to find a balance that will engage both of those without feeling, for lack of a better term, one is cheating the other, if you will? Well, you saw my head nodding when she said that because I, I did also grow up in the church and I was so happy to hear that both of them brought that into their comments that it's not one or the other. It's not necessarily mutually exclusive. If I go to therapy, then my religion is somehow out the door 
or you know vice versa it is possible to have a spiritual therapist mm -hmm. um like jennifer mentioned and it's very possible to be you know bible believing and bible study attending and still need and benefit from mm -hmm. therapy everything is not a matter of praying something away there's a lot of relief in spirituality but a lot of what therapy is to me is unpacking your stuff and kind of reorganizing it and understanding it jen mentioned one recognizing that there is trauma so there's a lot of traumas that i think we just even accept as like culture it's just the way that we are mm -hmm. you know you mentioned some misogyny and some mm -hmm. you know sometimes it's like you know machismo and sometimes we just pass that off as it's culture and it's not it's mm -hmm. a lot of it can be trauma or anger or you know mm -hmm. all kinds of things that we bring forward so first really recognizing that it's an issue and then working to resolve it mm -hmm. and like you said getting those steps that you can use when you feel the trauma coming up or when you feel the turmoil approaching to really resolve it and work through it in a much better fashion mm -hmm. and that requires degrees um, to really often understand that as you mentioned Jennifer and I have been friends for quite a long time and I'm, I'm fortunate that a lot of my friends are mm -hmm. very astute and capable of kind of helping one work through things but I've been known to call Jennifer and say um, I need to get on your couch really quick <laughs> <laughs> no copay and I'm saying I don't want you to respond as my friend I want you to bring forth my personal history but I want you to help me unpack this help me work through this so that I can address it. And we've spent a lot of nights mm -hmm. just being sister girls, crying tears and holding hands on treadmills and basements. But even that is different than when I request, you know, a mini therapy session. That those are two different things. Girlfriends are helpful. Mm -hmm. Church is helpful. Mm -hmm. But therapy is a completely different, you know, animal that we very much need. All right, and we're um, going to build the switch gears a little bit, but before I do that, I want to let you know, again, we're broadcasting from the IMR venue, which is located at 2411 Lancaster Avenue in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, if you're looking at, for a space to have your event, uh, really, it doesn't much matter what the event is. Uh, my guy Gabe can accommodate most of any and all events, including, but not limited to, church services, movie shoots, your, 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 your party functions, your open mic functions, your talent shows. Birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs, everything, any and everything, IMRV, you can handle that. Again, that's 2411 Lancaster Avenue. Don't ask me for a phone number. Just Google them. They come up in Google. <laughs> I come to this place regularly, and I still look it up in Google for the address. So just, you know, I'm glad that I memorized that. Now, one thing that everybody has kind of shared in terms of, I guess, sort of a solution or a step toward the solution is this kind of unpacking, if you will, this release, whether it be through the travel, that, that, the catching a plane that Tracy might do, or maybe the hugging a tree, or maybe speaking to uh, one of your elders that Sha might do, or go, if you're going to a therapist, um, such as Jen or, or Erica is a therapist that you're seeing, things of that nature. But I can't help but to think, all right, you know, and I'm, I guess we're gonna take a physical for a second, but keep bringing back to this mental health thing. It's like, for instance, when you, if, if you're in the exercise, right? And let's say, um, but let's say your, your, your nutrition is not necessarily where it should be. You ever see people that exercise like crazy, and then they say, but dang, I'm still not getting any results, me. Um, and a lot of times, like, well, what do you do with nutrition? They're like, well, I am drinking, you know, kind of. What else are you doing besides drinking? Drinking more, and then there's pizza, and yeah, bacon, and you know, all those other things that, you know, the joys of life. It's, even though we have joy in the joy of eating well, I enjoy not eating well a lot of times, right? And what they, what do they always tell you things like, well, you can't outwork the nutrition or whatever. You mm -hmm. can't outwork what you eat. Meaning, because somebody pointed out to me, they said, what do you, well, they say if you look at it, you go to a gym. Let's say if you go to a gym every day, you go for maybe an hour, right? Let's use that figure. But what do you do on the rest of the tw other 23 hours in a day? Let's say if you sleep eight, whatever else you're doing, you're probably eating, you know, throughout the day. Whether you have been snacking or this and that and the other. And the reason I say that, the reason I bring up that parallel is because when we speak about unpacking, all right, um, on average, I'm going to ask you this directly, Tracy, how many times would you say you catch a flight in a year? On average, are in a 12, month, 12 months. Are you really doing this right now? Quick question. Just one. You'll see where I'm going. I'm not, it's not about you, you know. Um, five or six. Okay. So let's say five or six times you caught a flight, right? But... 
this trauma that we're talking about, we deal with 365 days a year, roughly, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. So in the spirit, on the vein of you can't outwork your nutrition, can you out unpack the trauma that you deal with on a daily basis? This is to the floor here, but we'll start with Tracy. I kind of singled you out. Yes, no. Um, and so that's where exercising comes in. That's where um, having those sessions with your girlfriends comes in. Um, not necessarily to you know supplement um, a therapist if you need one, um, because I'll t I, I have as well. And you know when when stuff hits the fan, you're like, okay, I, I give up. Like I literally I, I tap out. And I'm like, all right, I you know I cannot carry this burden all on my own. So I need to talk to somebody. Um, so you have to be able to recognize that and. And that's all about being, you know, just being self-aware and having self-awareness. So, you know, again, for me, and, and I'm being op very open, I know that every, like, January, February, like, the blue starts kicking in. And I was like, all right, it's time to go. Like, it's time to find someplace warm, right? Just for a little bit of sunshine. But I know that about myself. And, you know, if you look at the DSM-5, right, you're, you're like, hmm. Oh, snap. We got right? an Erica terms over here. <laughs> so maybe she has, you know. Ego effecto, right? Hmm, possibly, right? But but I, I know that about myself. And that just takes some self-awareness. So, mm -hmm. no, you cannot, you know, catch a flight every whatever um, to try and outrun the blues or try and outrun your trauma. But I just know, again, it's just a recharge. And that's what I call it. I just call it recharging for mm -hmm. me. Um, but you have to, like all, those, all these ladies said, you have to do the work. You have to put it in. And um, I think... Again, your girlfriends, your friends, your family members—they have to be able to recognize that. And 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 I'm so grateful that so many people are starting to become so aware about their friends and checking on friends and family members that they know. Okay, look, I haven't seen them in a while, or they don't look happy. Let's let's talk. Let's mm -hmm. figure out what's going on. And I think that's important. Um, and that just comes back to we 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 as a community need to reconnect. reconnect. Um, we can't just, you know, be on this island all by ourselves. It, you know, we always talk about it takes a village. Well, it takes a village, you know, literally just to help everyone. That's why we have them. You know, you have to rely on them. And, um, and, and that's what will make us stronger. That's, that's just me. All right, so. And, you know, actually, if I can add. I was that, actually coming to you, Sean. Oh, that's so funny. Wow. Look at that. The universe works. <laughs> um, adding to that, because, Nikki, you know. I am so much into my culture. I study mm -hmm. it so much. The fact that we need our village is not, um, we don't pay attention to that enough. Especially nowadays where you have social media, mm -hmm. where you can sit in your house all by yourself for a week. And you can communicate with people, yes, but you're not seeing a person, you're not touching a person, you're not getting a hug, mm -hmm. there's not that, mm -hmm. that relationship that you have when you're actually physically with someone. And if you ever study African tribes, and I'm speaking about African tribes because this forum is talking about black women. Right. So um, black women, whether you are African-American, whether you're Caribbean, whether you're Latina, whatever, we do originate from Africa. And even if you just want, if you say you're Latina and you want to talk about being from Dominican Republic or being from Puerto Rico, it's all the same whether you're on an island or you're in Africa. We're tribal people. We don't do stuff by ourselves. We don't travel by ourselves. We don't um, eat by ourselves. We don't do anything by ourselves because that's just not how we function. Even, you know, you look at some tribes, when the women bathe, they're bathing together in the river. You know what I mean? You, when, when they're cooking their food, it's a group effort. And they're really... When I look back in my studies, there really isn't much time for those, those people in those tribes to be depressed or to have the type of issues that we have now. It's all about your society, your culture, your environment. And there are things that we can't really control about our environment now, but there are things that we can. And I think, especially with black women, we have to focus more on sister circles and we have to focus on not being by ourselves because I know for me and some of my friends and family members, I know that when you're by yourself, you get in your head. I it's sure too do. much in your head. 
But if you're with people or you're with family, like you don't have time for all that. And sometimes we need to not have time for all that because when we get in our heads, we start making stuff up. We start creating scenarios. We start, it, it's things that if we were amongst family and friends and doing things that we enjoy, we wouldn't even come to these negative thoughts or things like, cause a lot of it's not even real. Even some of the things that we think about ourselves, it's not even real. So I think that being around other people and socializing in a healthy manner with people that love you and you love them, that's very important because we are tribal people. Okay, so now you mentioned um, the dimension of time came up. And with all of these things, I'm, I'm, it takes me back to even when I was setting this up with all of you to, you know, to try to work the schedule to get everybody here, right? <laughs> and when I talk about time, you know, it started with joy. It was like, well, you know, the kids are soccer champs, so it's soccer season, so boom, boom, big. In addition to that, you know, Joy has her own things. She, she said it, she's running the business, you know. She's doing this, she's doing that. Um, she's in organizations that the organization will have, the organizations have needs. Um, she's talking to Erica, well, can you do this day? Ah, I'm not sure. Even when it came to this day, it was like, well, let me check because I got such and such to do at this time, so what time is it? You know, um, it was a time thing. and. Thank goodness, you know, we were all able to converge on March 9th. First, you know, it's crazy, man. We're setting this up. I didn't realize at the time I was setting this up that this, this was going down in Women's History Month. Yeah, the universe works, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and so now when I think about time again, it's 24 hours in a day. And sure, there's sacrifice. Like, okay, you're sacrificing to kind of do everything you're doing now, especially mental health field, the nonprofits, the law enforcement, this, the everybody, everybody on here, you know, you're engaged in family in some way, shape, or form, right? And so part of this pack of you, when it's time to come and do these things to kind of pour into your own cup, if you will, now I feel like you're still, you're sacrificing something to be able to do that, right? Whether it's I don't know, time with a loved one, or whether it's time that could go into this part of your organization or whatever your endeavor is. And I gotta imagine and correct me for help me out here. I gotta imagine, because me personally, you know I say you gotta leave work alone, leave, but even when I, I go, if I'm gonna take time off of work, and what I do, right? Because I'm the only one that does it for the state. And then I think to myself, I can't, you know, I, sometimes I can get a volunteer to take a part of some of my shifts, but that's only a part of some of my shifts. I work eight hours a day, and that phone doesn't stop ringing. These people don't stop needing what they need. And I'm thinking to myself, well dang, it's gonna be hectic when I get back to work now, or it might be, well, Dang, I could have been doing this when I was running 15. Wow, dang, I don't want 15 to miss out on, you know, me running these workouts, so I don't want to do this and that. I'm going to assume I'm not alone and haven't had these thoughts. How do you come to terms with that to then be able to be like, look, I'm doing this and I can't focus, I can't worry about that because one could think, damn, that might be time getting away from me because I could have been doing that. We're going to start with joy because it was a task <laughs> getting joy to get a date going. <laughs> I don't know that it was a task. <laughs> it was a task. <laughs> and, um, I feel like there was a couple of dates we discussed. And, oh, here I go. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm, I'm sensitive. That's fine. <laughs> um, I think that it's the first thing that I mentioned is it comes down to priority because mm -hmm. time is finite. There's 24 hours in a day, and so if you prioritize everything else and you say that you're gonna take what's left over, there will be nothing left. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna be 40 in September and this is the place where I'm really focusing on is I turn the corner into 40 is really putting things aside to say, this is a boundary and this is a limit and there are gonna be some no's and folks are gonna live. My husband is gonna be okay. My boys, I have two boys, so you know that mama boy thing is a special thing, but y'all are gonna be okay. Um, you know, organizations are gonna be okay. You know, we're not gonna be able to do everything because I have to prioritize myself. And I think the other thing that I'm really seeing, it's one thing for me to do that, but it's really another thing to educate everyone, to sit my children down and say, listen, this was your time, you got that, this is mine. I'm going to close the door now, and I'm off for the night. And you know, do not disturb for the next 30 minutes while I watch my show, or the next 30 minutes while I take a shower in peace without fulfilling a request. 
Um, but it really comes down to priority. And once you kind of prioritize self-care, you also prioritize what your interests are and what your passions are. I think it's not age dependent, but we go through these different phases of life. You know, you're carefree, you're in college, you party, and woo woo woo, and that's fun. And then you kind of get or a job. <laughs> Right, and you get a job, and you start prioritizing the job because you're trying to advance and get your salary, and that kind of becomes the thing that you yield to all the time. You may be in a relationship or get married, and you start yielding there. You have kids, and you find yourself yielding again, and then you start looking at your pile, and it's empty to negative. And so you start losing touch with, wait, what were my passions again? What, what did make me happy? And that changes and evolves. So you have to keep connecting and reconnecting to that. But it really does come down to priority. And not just because this was a topic that was important to me, but you know, I mentioned your evolution was important to me. Yeah. Um, the message that this may hit one, two, a hundred or a thousand people who needed to hear it was important to me. And so I just had to Mark it off. A thousand just gave me chill. Let me get a thousand listeners. Yes, I'm speaking it right now. (laughs) The manifestation and the potential of the podcast. Mm You just had to mark it off. Okay. Set that limit. Okay. No doubt. So now, Erica, you know, I've known you since. Your daughter was one and calling me ugly at two. I never forget that as long as I live because I ain't never. You know they say from the mouth of babes, so I was hurt. I was like, dang, that must be pure truth. That wasn't even like pettiness. I was like, I was ugly that night, and I, you know, we, me and her daughter grown tight over the years. She's a college freshman now, by the way. That's, <laughs> and you know, but I ain't gonna lie. But every time I don't see, I don't think about that fateful night. But you know, one would, so one would think, okay. The kid is off to college. Like she's staying on campus, you know what have you. So one might think from the outside looking in, oh snap, she's gonna have all this free time. It's almost like you know some empty nest type stuff. But then if you step back and think you might think, well then now she gotta worry about her babies off in the college in another state of uh, you know some other land. Don't know what's happening out there. And, and God forbid, again we're talking about things that go on the media, right? God forbid if you like see these shows or whatever they may talk about college life or these movies, and you see the kind of the raunchiness and the foolishness that take place. You worried about your baby might be you don't want her to be engaged in all of that nonsense and everything. Thanks for reminding us. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's sad that I'm having this because mine's only three, like, <laughs> right? So I say that, and so I say that, I say, one might be like, okay, Erica, and somebody said it earlier, you'll be okay. Because <laughs> she knows what she's doing. And you know, and you, you know, we both know she's mature, she handles herself well, but I got to imagine feelings like that still, you know, sit in there. Some others worry, right? Absolutely. So how does. How do you handle the weight of that? Because again, you still have to be Erica, the mental health professional. You still have to be Erica, the entrepreneur. You still have to be Erica, the black woman in today's America. And now you have that. Your baby's not even home because she's still your baby. I don't care. I don't care how many years she's in college. How do you handle? Uh, well, it's funny because she's actually home right now. Okay. On the screen, right? But. Um, you know what, I, I definitely can say I got blessed with the relationship that we had. Um, you know, having her at a, a young age, we grew up together. Yes, we are friends, but there's boundaries there because she clearly knows at the end of the day who is mom. Um, but the comfort of knowing that she literally calls me five, six times a day, is texting me throughout the day. So it's comforting, like, I kind of know where she is at almost every second of the day. Even though she's not necessarily in my home, I still feel like she is with me. And that wasn't a request on my part. You text me if you're going here. Oh, you're going to a party, text me when you get there. It's just innate, she does that. But again, it's the upbringing that she has had to, you know what, I'm gonna stay connected with mom, or her just automatically thinking, I don't want her to have to worry about me. You know, that's one more stressor that I can take off of her plate. So she goes ahead and does that, you know, on her own. Um, But yes, I do still get nervous. Like. If I did know that she went out and I didn't hear from her till like the next morning, it's just human nature. I wonder if she's okay. You know, did she make it in all right? Um, but other than that, I am okay, like I said, just because of the relationship we had. And she takes that extra effort to help mom out and ease her mind, you know, by letting me know where she is, what she's doing and all of that. So. Okay. So now, um, oh, Tracy got one on soon, soon coming. Yes. yes. Soon coming. So now you kind of, I feel like you had to. Being kind of 
dealing with that now, like a pre-deal, if you will. Granted, she's not there yet, but you know what's coming. And, uh, and you know, having, having um, you, you've been to college, so you've probably seen things that's like, I would never want my child to be engaged in any of this stuff that's going on. Like, how do you do? No social media, right? <laughs> right, yeah, now it's the, yeah, this is the digital era. We were, we, the most, what we, we were hyped when we got like MySpace out there. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm with Erica, you know, um, I think I've developed a relationship with my daughter that she can text me, call me anytime. And I told her this, you know, very early on. I said, I don't care where you are. You can, if you don't feel comfortable somewhere, call me and I will ask no questions, but I will just come and get you. That's it. You know, um, however, so I'm, I'm kind of dealing with this empty nest syndrome, right? Like, or it's about to, it's about to happen. She's about to fly the coop. And so what I started doing is trying to find things that I enjoyed um, before I had her, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, I was young. I, I, I didn't even know myself. And, and I'm still trying to figure out what brings me joy and, and what makes me happy and what my purpose is. Um, and so, you know, I, I volunteer more just so that when she does leave, I'm not completely like, so that's some things that I'm doing, but you know, I, I, I want to tell the story, but I don't want to tell the story. So last night I, I went out blind date, right? And, okay. and so I'm I told like, my daughter. Really? Yes. <laughs> Do tell. This just turned into the Do tell. <laughs> So, you know, I don't tell my daughter exactly everything, mm. but my daughter was so concerned because I didn't come home exactly at, at the moment that I said. So this kid is calling and texting and, you know, just to be polite, I kept my phone down, didn't, didn't feel it vibrate. But when I got home and she's standing at the door, like, you know, so I know the radio, you can't see me, but um, hands on her hips, standing at the door, like with this look on her face, like, where have you been, woman? Um, you know, so, so that brings me <laughs> some joy that I know that she cares and that mm -hmm. she understands. And so when I do that to her, she now, you know, like she gets it. Okay. okay. This, this comes out of love, but you know, like it's just a matter of, you know, just figuring out who you are again. Um, you know, there are some organizations, you know, that I'm like, no, nope, can't do it. I, or mm -hmm. some people ask me to do things. Nope. Can't do it. It's, it's taking too much time out of, out of who, what I need to do. Can't do it anymore. So, Again, you know, I think we're all about, the, I feel like, my generation, we're all about to hit 40, and, and like, so now what? You know, chapter 40, let's make it grand. Mm -hmm. And, but we still have to continue to maintain our health and our friendships and, and remember the things that make us happy. Okay, no doubt. 